You know, friends, we spend a lot of time on Liberty Dispatch discussing the importance of Christians engaging in politics, being present in the public square, building new and beautiful things, starting businesses, and working toward real justice. So in today's episode, rather than cover news stories, we want to bring you three examples of Christians who are doing just that. So we have three interviews we want to share with you. First, we have a brother that has created a graphic design and arts collective for like-minded artists to create to the glory of God. Second, we have a pastor who wants to help pregnant women choose life for their babies and who desires to help Christians think biblically about money and our economy. Third, we have a Christian who's been engaging in politics and political activism for decades and whose strong stance on marriage and sexuality has gained him the ire of the Wokies in his community. I trust that these examples will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to live as free people for the glory of God and for the good of our country. It's July 25th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, and this is Liberty Dispatch. Thanks so much for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Our show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced and hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the work that we do here on the podcast. You can head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate and click the analysis shows box. Donations that are submitted there go directly to Christian Week and are eligible for a charitable receipt. If you're an advertiser, if you're a like-minded business owner and you like the work that we do, you support the work that we do, and you want to find other like-minded, freedom-minded Canadians and Christians to share your business with them, to grow your business, and to find some amazing clients across the country, then please email us at advertising at christianweek.org. Partner with us. Have us advertise for you to share your business and to grow these wonderful like-minded businesses together. You can also find our shows on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. That's flfnetwork.com. Or you can download the FLF app on your Android or Apple device. And finally, as always, you can reach out to us with any questions, comments, or criticism. Mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Feel free to give us feedback and ask us if there's anything you'd like us to cover any burning theological, cultural questions to which you would like to know the answer, we are definitely here for you. You might be wondering, where's Matt? This is normally his gig. That's a great question. Mr. Matt, my ginger in crime, his family is moving to another part of the province, and so his studio is presently packed up and on the move. And so I'm flying solo for today's episode, and Lord willing, Matt will be back on Thursday. So you get a whole lot of me and the guest today, depending on your thoughts, either you're welcome or I apologize deeply for these unfortunate circumstances. In any event, we have quite the episode together. But first, 
Would you ever purchase a home without seeing it first? I mean, maybe during the COVID boom, you were just excited to sell your property in Toronto for gazillions of dollars and just move anywhere other than that cesspool of pagan godlessness. But for anyone who's reasonable and not in that unique period of time, of course not. You wouldn't do that. Your family home is a long-term investment in your family's future, and it requires careful consideration and research. It's time to think about your other investments the same way. Rocklink Investment Partners carefully researches each and every security they place in your portfolio. They focus on creating portfolios of high-quality assets customized to your needs of protecting and growing your wealth efficiently and ethically. Say goodbye to cookie-cutter strategies like index funds and ETFs that are difficult to understand and are controlled by a handful of firms that do not share your values. Give our friends at Rocklink a call at 905-631-5462 or send them an email at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. As I mentioned in the lead-in, today's episode is a little bit of a unique one. What we wanted to do is we wanted to interview three different Christians, three brothers engaging in very different ways. Whether you have someone creating a brand new business that involves making beautiful things, true things for the glory of God. Whether that's a pastor who has started an initiative to help support women who want to choose life for their babies. Or whether that's a follower of Jesus who's been involved in political activism and more recently in a formal political party setting. The whole point of this episode really is twofold. One, it's to highlight for you regular people, regular everyday Christian Canadians who are doing their part in advancing the kingdom of God, in bringing the Lordship of Christ and pressing it out into every sphere and doing so because they love Jesus and because they love their neighbors, to show you that it's doable. You don't have to be a super Christian. You don't have, a, have to have a ton of wealth, a ton of education. You just have to love Christ and want to obey him to engage in these ways, in politics, in culture, in society, in business, in economy. That's the first part. The second part of it is to highlight the examples to maybe stir within you a little bit of that socio-cultural political engagement. Maybe you've been thinking for a while about starting a business, but you've been hindered by the fear and the risk of my current job and my employment has really great benefits and a great RSP and secured hours. Maybe you've been thinking about a skill or ability or a particular industry where you know you want to branch off and you've been wrestling with it. Well, I want to say to you, Lord willing, surrounded by a good community and a good church to encourage you and support you, take the risk. Take the risk. Take dominion. Do the thing that God has made us to do, which is to build new, beautiful things for his glory and for the good of those around us. Maybe you've been thinking about getting involved and engaging in politics, whether that's running with a particular party, hopefully not the evil parties, right? So if if, if you're thinking of running with the liberals or the NDP, or the Greens, or the Bloc, or the Conservative Party, um, please don't. So I, I don't want to encourage that. But maybe you want to run with a political party that isn't totally anti-Christ in every way, but you don't know how, you don't know what to do. Well, maybe there's an opportunity for you to go to an EDA meeting, 
or to check out websites and email. Find out more. Different ways that you can volunteer, you can get involved and in maybe running outright with a political party. Maybe you're thinking about opportunities. Maybe you see the injustice in our world with the slaughter of preborn babies, what's happening with children and the indoctrination, the sexual madness of the LGBTQ agenda. And maybe you're seeing what they're doing to older people as well. It's an inconvenience. So we can just have a doctor murder them and we can alleviate the burden on the healthcare system. And you're thinking, I want to get involved in, in activism. I want to get involved in real justice issues. This episode is designed to maybe spur you on and show you some very real examples of what that looks like. So I hope you enjoy the three interviews I've been able to do. I know I was encouraged and I was informed by them. And hopefully the Lord will use them to bless you as well. Well, friends, I am quite pleased to have with me on the dispatch Thaddeus Maharaj. He is a dear brother and a friend that I've had the pleasure of getting to know better in the last number of years. Thaddeus is the founder and creative director behind Curios Creative Media. He holds a BFA in 3D computer animation, a diploma in 3D animation and visual effects, and a master of theological studies. He's worked in the video game industry on AAA games for several years at world-class studios, has taught 3D character art and animation at Sheridan College, and freelanced as a videographer, designer, and illustrator, and he has served in church ministry for seven years. He's also a blogger and podcaster with a passion for bringing faith and creativity together to impact culture. He's going to talk about his podcast in a bit, and I couldn't recommend it anymore. He and his wife have been married for six years. Together, they have a beautiful son. Thaddeus, thank you so much for joining me on The Dispatch. It's great to have you, brother. Thanks so much, Andrew. I'm really happy to be here and thankful for the opportunity. So one of the things that we talk about a lot on The Dispatch is the importance of Christians engaging in culture, being present in the public square, the importance of taking dominion, of building beautiful things, making new things, to the glory of God and really for the good of our culture and our families. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about what you're doing because that very much fits in line with the importance of Christians pressing the Lordship of Christ into every area, into every mm -hmm. industry, into every sphere, right? Just recently on a show, I'd said that the best pizza should be made by Christians. The best music should be made by Christians. Yeah. The best engineering work should be done by Christians because we understand what we've been made to do and we ultimately want to do all things to the glory of God. So tell us a little bit about your new business, your new venture, how it came about and the sort of work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, man. Um, I'll, I'll screen share a little bit because uh, especially with visual creative arts, it's better to show than, uh, than just to tell. So for those who are watching, they can see uh, if you're just listening to the podcast, I'll try to be as descriptive as I can with my words. Uh, so let me share my screen. And so here's uh, the Curious website. It's called Curious Creative Media. It's about design, uh, detail and dominion. So very much in keeping with what you guys are about as well, too. And uh, we offer a couple of different services. Uh, particularly in 3D sculpting. Um, a lot of my work is with creating 3D character models for video games and also more recently for toys and collectibles for 3D print. Also do some videography as well. Um, if you want, you can look at some of the work on the site. 
uh, there's a couple of videos that I'll show you what I do. Um, so in terms of videography, I'll do everything from filming events and let's say weddings or corporate events and so on to editing and motion graphics, uh, a full suite of basically services with videography. And then the last thing, the last service that we provide is also illustration and design. Uh, so a lot of things that require high detailed, um, you know, just really great quality illustration. I'm not about just, you know, comics or some sort of, um, scratchy kind of sketches or whatever. I want to produce really masterful and beautiful artwork uh, that, like you said, can glorify God and also serve um, other people as well, right? So that's kind of the vision behind it. This is our uh, different services that are there. You'll see also I offer web design and audio production. That's because Curious Creative is also a network of creatives that are Christians as well. Um, I've been blessed uh, with a network of friends who are also creatives. So we like to be able to support one another, give each other work. And I think that's that's an important thing, especially nowadays with the Christian community, that we need to be supporting one another and one another's businesses in particular. So tell us a little bit about how this came about kind of the thinking behind it so obviously you have uh, a history and experience in graphic design 3d animation and so that that that's kind of a part of your 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 training your education but i guess take us through the the process of how this comes about now and i guess the reason i i ask that is i know that we have people in our audience who are thinking and wrestling with well, what do I do? You know, what, what do I do for school? What do I do for work? Or maybe you have people in certain mm -hmm. environments where they're thinking, listen, it's really only a matter of time before the woke HR comes from my throat because I won't bow before the rainbow. And so yeah. I need to start thinking about how to provide for my family, how to actually do what the Lord wants me to do, but it's not going to be here. And so people mm -hmm. are legitimately having to think about, you know, how do I use my skills and abilities to the glory of God? What What can I do that maybe not be a traditional work environment and so mm. i think the process of thinking starting something new and what what drove that i think that would be mm. helpful for our our listeners who i'm sure many of them are kind of where you were just in mm. you know in the last year or so so talk about the genesis of curios creative media and how that came about Sure, for sure. I, I think it'd probably be best to give a little bit of a background of where I'm coming from, uh, just because it'll give some context to that. Uh, so I started off in, like I said, the, the 3D world. Um, I was in the video game industry for uh, quite a number of years, worked on a couple of AAA titles that a lot of people would recognize, which, uh, to be honest, feels like a, a whole lifetime ago and games that I would not associate myself with anymore. But the Lord grabbed my heart. So some of the games that I worked on was like Max Payne 3 and GTA 5. Uh, not exactly the, you know, cleanest of games, uh, but that was, uh, you know, where I was at that, that point in time. And the Lord really grabbed that whole of my heart um, during that time. Uh, it was an interesting process. And in that process, I started feeling like my heart was was no longer in this industry that I originally was super passionate about. Like I was really, really all in on like, you know, creating these 3D characters and my dream, the pinnacle of my dream was to actually reach where I was as a character artist working on lead characters for major titles. And it was one of those moments where I kind of hit like the mountaintop experience where you're like, is this it? Is this all there is? And I almost felt like it was the Lord also asking me like, okay, I gave you what you thought would, uh, would satisfy you. You happy yet? And the answer was no, you know, still was, was feeling that void there and really saw that, uh, and this took a while for me to, to realize exactly what was going on, that it was this detachment that I had from my work and my spiritual life. It was me living in two kingdoms, basically, right? A sacred and a secular. Um, but God was breaking that down. 
and over the course of years helped me to see that no, 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 there's no divide. It's all his, right? Because Christ's Lordship is over every single thing. Um, and eventually that led me to, to leave my, my job there at, at um, working in the game design industry. Uh, I did my master's of theological studies because uh, at that point in time, I was thinking of going more into um, uh, PhD studies. I was actually gonna do a PhD in New Testament studies. Um, but then that, weirdly enough, led me into full-time church ministry. So I've ministered in the church for about seven years as a director of media and discipleship. So doing a lot of discipleship work in classes and workshops, teaching theology, apologetics, those sorts of things. It's a big passion of mine now. Um, and I thought that was where I would end up staying. But again, I didn't realize that I still had this mindset of sacred secular, that the, the true super Christians, they work in church ministry, but everybody else, the plebs, they do all the other things, right? Um, and I would have never said it or eloquated it that way myself, but the Lord was gracious with me and patient as we were all growing and helped me to see that, no, 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 that's also a wrong way of thinking, right? That, uh, that, that the, the only way to serve me is not just in the ecclesiological ministries, right? That everything else needs to also be uh, serving him. Anyways, fast forward to today, I've launched a new business. Um, part of that was, you know, wanting to be able to provide better for my family, but also a big part of it was that vision behind now this new conviction that the Lord has just been working in my heart over the past three to four years now, um, that every single area of life needs to be lived to the glory of God, like you said, right? Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says that, right? That whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. And that's also the impetus for Christians to work excellently. I think that Christian businesses should be outdoing the rest of the pagan businesses because we have this work ethic. There's something called the Protestant work, eth work ethic, right? And that, that was born out of our theology. And I think we need to recover that, right? There's a theology of excellence behind what we do because it's not just unto men, but it's unto the glory of God. And it's also for love of neighbor. I think sometimes a lot of uh, Christians who are in quote unquote secular jobs, which there is no secular job, um, they, they think that, oh, well, it's kind of detached from all of this spiritual stuff, but it's not. Like that's one practical way how you love your neighbor is by providing excellent service to your neighbor, right? At a fair price and um, yeah, just being able to add something, add some market value to what's out there. And I think I have something to add to the, the particular market that I'm um, in, which is the creative media sphere, right? So I think all of those things, you know, just bringing the Lordship of Christ to bear on every single area of life. And I also connected by the way to uh, two things which should be uh, of utmost importance to every Christian, which is the Great Commission and the Dominion Mandate. Right? So how is it connected? Well, the Great Commission, like part of that is our witness to a watching world, right? And I think a lot of Christians diminish their understanding of the Great Commission. They don't really have a Great Commission, they have an okay commission. Because they think that the commission is just about saving souls, right? That, that we have this Gnostic idea that we're detached from our physicality and that we just need to get souls into heaven. But the Great Commission is way more than that. Um, Jesus says to disciple the nations. And you have to ask yourself, well, what's a nation? A nation involves so many different aspects of life in terms of, in terms of like civil government and laws and politics, but also culture. Culture is a huge part of what makes a nation. Every nation has a culture and creativity is part of how that culture expresses itself too. So I even connected into the Great Commission, which I think is an, a New Testament example of the continuation of the dominion mandate, which is given in Genesis, where we're supposed to subdue the earth, which means to take the raw materials of the earth and to make it fruitful. Right? That, that was God, God's task given to Adam and Eve in the garden, that they were to, to have dominion over the earth, the raw creation. It was a garden. But you see a, a progression in scripture that we start in a garden, but we end in, in a city. 
right, in Revelation. So this progression, something has happened between Genesis to Revelation. Mankind has taken the dominion mandate and taken the natural raw um, elements of the garden and then made it into a city. Right? So even within the narrative of scripture, you see this all weaved through. And I think a lot of Christians have missed that because we've uh, somehow ended up in this weird divide between what we do in our quote-unquote secular life and the physical and then the spiritual, which ends up being this disembodied, ethereal sort of existence. And you saw that all throughout even the COVID times, right? Where we were told that, oh, we don't need to actually be in person to be together. But that's a Gnostic thinking, right? That's, that's that same divide of dividing up the spiritual and the physical, right? And we need to reject that. It, it, it comes from this idea that what we do here actually doesn't matter because when mm -hmm. Jesus comes back, he's just going to burn it up, erase the earth, and give us a new one anyways. So yeah. who, like that, 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 that idea, which I think has been a prevailing idea in evangelicalism for a century or so, it's who cares about making beautiful things, who cares about the physical mm. stuff we do, he'll come back yeah. and he just gets all going to, second Peter, it's all going to burn up like fire anyways. And, yeah. and so it, it, as opposed to the type of thinking, which is, mm. well, cathedrals we build now, Lord willing, are still going to be there even mm -hmm. after Christ redeems and restores the creation and removes yeah. the curse of sin once and for all. It's not as if those cathedrals will disappear. It's not mm -hmm. as if everything in this earth that we've made will disappear. It's not as if the natural resources will disappear. And so it's it's a very temporal mindset, I think, that drives mm -hmm. that that Gnosticism that you're you're, you're talking about, that we don't yeah. have an eternal perspective on things, that our mm -hmm. work matters even beyond just our lives and even beyond our current nation state. That's a that's mm -hmm. a helpful explanation a helpful yeah. unpacking of your thought process because there are a lot of people who are thinking in in various ways how can i how can i do just that and and, and the principles you've unpacked i think apply mm. across all sectors and all industries that that someone someone can make music someone can be a carpenter mm -hmm. someone can be a dentist son in all of these areas a believer no. is to think i've been given skills and abilities to steward my mm. work matters now, and there's an eternal value to my work. I'm called mm -hmm. to be a witness to Christ wherever I am and whatever I do. And mm -hmm. part of my worship unto the Lord is by stewarding what he's given me well and making things that are beautiful, exalting mm -hmm. that which is true, pointing to that which is good. And that applies to all Christians everywhere. And so I, I'm, I, I thank you for yeah. unpacking that that way, and I hope that people— yeah. Who are struggling with what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my mind? What do I do with my abilities? So they don't just say, well, I can either be a regular Christian and just work a regular job and then do mm. my Sunday thing, or I can be a super Christian and become a missionary. And we want to mm. we want to reject that. Um, that's created part of the problem that we're in. So maybe yep. kind of going off that a, a little bit, what would be, you know, you've talked about the Dominion Mandate. You've talked about the Great Commission. And I've, I've, the language is similar enough that I've kind of communicated to people that in many ways I feel like the Great Commission is the dominion mandate taken by Christ. And I don't want to say adapted, but the dominion mandate, which is given really to all of humans, all humans are mm -hmm. called to live this way before God. But the Great Commission is almost, almost the dominion mandate taken by Christ with 
new focus with new emphasis for believers, mm-hmm. for the church, to say this and with is new a, power. Yeah, this is a continuing thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've talked about that. Maybe focus a little bit on why should so aside from you know stewarding the gifts that God has given them, uh, doing mm-hmm. good for the glory of God. Why should Christians be building businesses? Why should Christians be engaging mm-hmm. in the public square? Why should Christians make good media? Yeah. Good question. All good questions. Uh, Well, aside from what we've already covered with that, I think people need to look around at the times that we live in today, especially in Canada, right? Um, Things are not getting easier for Christians. And uh, we've moved from a world that was at one time shaped and formed by Christianity, then, you know, became kind of agnostic to Christianity. And now it's blatantly against Christianity, right? And that that's sort of the cultural moment that we live in right now. And, you know, the Lord is sovereign over all of those things. We can bicker a lot about like the, the flow of history among eschatological positions. But I think Christians need to realize, okay, wherever we find ourselves um, today, we need to be faithful in what we've given today. And I think Christians in Canada particularly find themselves in a, in a moment in history where it is difficult. Um, we are seeing our culture move away from the traditional values that Christianity gave to it and rejecting it, not just like passively, but actively and actively even persecuting Christians for the sake of their faith. And, and this is why I think it's important that Christians in particular, if God has so gifted them and called them to start businesses and be entrepreneurial and, and be explicitly Christian in doing so um, and support one another in doing that. In, in a way, we can build a sort of parallel economy, a parallel community and support one another so that even when times get hard, uh, we still have a community, a, a network of Christian businesses that can that can supply and, and, and provide for one another and bless one another and still yet remain in the world. We're not trying to be escapists, but in doing so, if every Christian builds, uh, let's say a lot of Christians build businesses that are excellent, providing excellent services, listen, even the neighbor and the pagan down the street are going to have to come to you. Uh, my goal with Curious is that I want to be so excellent and yet still so explicitly Christian that even, you know, the the secular atheist or whatever who might go to the site and be like, yeah, I'm not really for this Christian stuff, but man, this guy's work is good. I, I got to go with him, right? So that's part of also how we you know, witness to a watching world. And I think like, you know, as Christians, particularly in Canada, this, this time in place, maybe this is going to inspire some guys, but like, you know, you need to think about this because like Andrew mentioned, you know, this woke mob is, is taking over everything and it's going to cost a lot of Christians, perhaps even their job to be faithful. So start thinking about, okay, how can I if, if not find job security, create job security. And it's a risk. It really is. I don't know really whether this will, will work or not. I'm, I'm praying that the Lord will bless the work of my hands and I'm praying that with faith and I'm going to apply myself the best as I can to do that. But you know what? I think we're called to live a life of faith and it, there's no faith in just sitting back and being passive and living a safe life and keeping your mouth shut. Um, that doesn't require any kind of faith, right? And I don't think that's the life that we're called to live. You brought up the excellence piece, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to tie stewardship to that because what I I don't think what we're advocating for, and and what I certainly mm-hmm. would would speak against, would be simply because it's a Christian doing something, go support it, right? Like mm-hmm. I I think that in part is why you have Christian movies and Christian music, which is like, I mean, there, there's been a turnaround recently, but like in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s and early 2000s, um, it was terrible. Because hmm. the thinking was, oh well, it's just a Christian, so you know it, it doesn't matter for Jesus. Yep. It doesn't it, let let the pagans have the really really good music, and we'll just you know mm. sprinkle Jesus lyrics all over it. And 
I don't think yeah. I, I don't think we would advocate for Christians need to support one another even if their work is terrible. No, Absolutely. we don't want to encourage laziness. It's about stewardship. And so it's both of those things. It's, mm-hmm. yes, we want to build parallel economies. Yes, we want to support other believers. We want to keep it in the family, so to speak. Right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. Italian. I can't get too far away from my mom ties. <laughs> we, want, we want to keep it in the family of Christ. Ideally, yeah. if my car needs to be repaired, I want to bring it mm-hmm. to a believer. But if he's a terrible yeah. mechanic who doesn't do good work, I'm not just mm-hmm. going to give him my money because he's a believer. The expectation yep. would be he who loves the Lord wants to do excellent work. So ideally, mm-hmm. and this is something that I kind of experienced when I was in Moscow, Idaho for a week last year, the best burger joint in town is run by Christians. Um, mm. You know, the, the, the best pizza place in town is run by Christians. And so it's not as if we'll just go there because they're, they're Christians. But this idea right. of being excellent and then support each other as well and mm. encourage one another to do good work um, that mm-hmm. that matters. Um, yeah, I'll just tag on to that. I think uh, that's you're so right with that, by the way. Um, and I think like that's why creatives in particular, I'll, I'll speak particularly to Christian creatives, have a huge role to play, I think, in the whole culture wars and even just got what God is doing in this country. Uh, you think about how uh, the West was lost. One of the institutions that was taken was institutions of creativity and media. Right? Well, Christians removed themselves, or if they were in those institutions, removed their Christian worldview from it and started to try to act neutral. Yeah, exactly. They told narratives, they told stories that pushed their agenda, right? And, but they did it in a way that was beautiful and compelling, not just in propositional truths. And I think that's where a lot of Protestants are weakened. We're really good in, in like projecting just propositional truths, A, B, C, D, E but we're not good at telling stories and telling compelling stories. And I think creatives play a really important role in that. So uh, I just say that to to say, you know, that I think Christian creatives need to really deeply think about this and think about how would God use you and your skills, not just to make money, not just to like provide your your family, which is good, but also in terms of what's going on publicly in the the public sphere and in culture. Everyone likes Narnia. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes Lord of the Rings. And, and the reason is because they are well-crafted stories and narratives mm-hmm. that engage the mind, that kind of prick the heart. Uh, yep. It's not just, I mean, anyone could write a terrible story about truths and have, you know, like a letter to the Apostle Paul, but simply with a terrible story beside it. But the, 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 the importance of, or even Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, and this idea mm-hmm. of a story that cap that, that that captivates that grabs you this is a christian mm-hmm. making something good telling the story of what's true but in a way that's accessible to people mm-hmm. um that is where can people find out more about what you're doing you know tell us about the website tell us about your podcast tell us about your blog where can we send people how can people connect with you on social media as well kind of rifle all that off for us Absolutely. Thank you. I'll put up a slide just to make it helpful. So you can find my business at Curious Creative Media. So it's curiousmedia.com is the URL. And if you want to follow on social, uh, Curious Creative. Okay. And for the the blog and the podcast, that's Theotivity. That's a combination of theology and creativity. So deal with uh, theology, creativity, and culture, basically the intersection of that. If you're interested in checking that out, it's theotivity.com or at Theotivity on all the social stuff. You can follow it there. Um, I'm going to be launching a lot more YouTube stuff. So if you want to follow on YouTube, that'll be great too. Well, thanks, brother. Thank you for joining me mm-hmm. on The Dispatch. It's been good to have you. And I'm excited for the work that you're doing. And I anticipate 
some collaborative work as well in our future with you and us and some of the other solid brothers in our country who are making good and beautiful things and trying to press the lordship of christ into every square inch of our country so it's great mm -hmm. to chat with you today same thank you so much man for the last number of episodes we've been talking about barter it for individuals and why you need to get connected with that become an affiliate become a vip sign up today but we also want to talk about barter pay Barter Pay is a parallel economy bartering system that wants to help businesses in Canada get the resources and supplies they need today without using money. You can use your spare capacity, your extra goods and services, and offer them into the barter system in exchange for Barter Pay barter credits. $1 Canadian is equal to one barter credit for valuation purposes. Then you take your barter credits and spend them on anything else within the system all across Canada. How do you do that? If you're a business or a business owner, head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter. And this time you're going to click barter pay for businesses, which is the box in the middle. Then you can book a quick free discovery call to learn more. Join a freedom-minded barter ecosystem today. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter and then click on barter pay for businesses, which is the picture in the middle. Well, it is my pleasure to have with me on the dispatch Alan Armstrong. He's a friend out in Windsor. Alan's a pastor of Life Giver Church in Windsor, a church that he planted in 2016. He is also the author of the soon to be released The Bible and Bitcoin, a theological exploration of human time, energy, and Bitcoin. I had the pleasure of reading the book before it will be published. Alan and his wife Shelly have been married since 2011. Together they have three children. Brother, thank you so much for joining me on the dispatch today. It's good to have you. Hey, I'm a longtime listener, big fan. Uh, I've been listening to the dispatch since it was that other guy. Uh, what's, his, those, what's, what's his name? Those uh, other Mitch... guys who, who now have a show called The Other Club, interestingly enough. Right, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Mitchell something? Yeah, something. Mitchell Mitchell, <laughs> Mitchell Thiessen and, yes. uh, and, uh, and, and Thomas Tyso, I think are their names. Thomas Tyso, yeah. Thomas I, I remember Tyso. when you when they invited you guys, you and um, Matt Halleck, uh, and I was like, I like those guys. I don't know. There's something about you guys that I like. I know they're always ripping on you, so I'm going to go ahead and and uh, and praise you. And you know what the Bible says: Let another man praise you and not your own lips. So you have to receive it. I have to receive it, and you're not the CBC, so uh, that's that's good. I'll take that. Um, yes. So, Alan, I want to I want to talk about the book that's coming out, um, and we want to discuss that. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask about an initiative that you've just recently announced. And that I think would be interested for our audience, especially for those who find themselves as more kind of amateur or seasoned Bitcoiners. Uh, tell us a little bit about Bitcoin for Babies. What is the initiative? Why did it come about? What's the goal? Kind of hit us with some information and then we'll make sure to have links in the description as well. So people know where to, to go to find out more. But unpack that for us. Yeah, so Bitcoin for Babies was an idea I had that came to me uh, by the grace of God uh, while I was working my many uh, side jobs. And uh, basically, 
I so I've been involved in abolitionism since like 2013, before it was cool, um, when pro-lifers were hating us and so forth. And um, well, I think they they might still, but that's not what we're talking about today. So um, the idea came about because so I'm a Bitcoiner, and I'm thinking, okay, how can I uh, be a part of making a difference in ending abortion in Canada. And there's so many different things you can do and that I've been involved with. And then this idea just came to me. There's a whole market of Bitcoiners out there, Christian Bitcoiners to be exact. Uh, we're actually a lot more numerous than people think. Uh, the only issue is we're scattered. We're all over all over the world. And um, since I've become a Bitcoiner, I've, di I've discovered uh, Christian Bitcoiners are a very generous, generous bunch. Um, for example, just a few weeks ago, uh, a woman contacted me from Windsor and she, I didn't know her. She just found her number online and she says, uh, hey, I need a new fridge. And we're a small church. We're not rich. We're not large by any means. Um, but I said, you know what? Give me a couple of days. Let me see what I can do. I put one tweet, one tweet to Christian Bitcoiners and said, hey, there's this woman. Don't know her. She needs a fridge. Anybody want to help? With under 24 hours, Andrew, under 24 hours, I had enough Bitcoin to buy this woman a brand new fridge. So there is a market out there of Bitcoiners who want to give, who want to help, who care who are believers. And so Bitcoin for Babies is a way where Christian Bitcoiners can use their Bitcoin and uh, to give to, to, to the church. And then the church would uh, uh, get in contact with women uh, in our city or even outside our city. And we would use that Bitcoin to help them. Of course, they would be choosing life, obviously, and would be in financial uh, difficulty. So we would use that Bitcoin to help them. That's basically what it is. It's just taking Bitcoin, a money that is um, neglected in the church, and leveraging it uh, to to help women and to save babies. So that's why it's called Bitcoin for Babies. And people who want to give anonymously don't have to worry about a particular, particularly tyrannical or kind of creeping surveilling government who will go after people who donate to anti-abortion organizations so it helps keeps it anonymous as well so that's yes good. yeah all yeah. of our donations thus far have been from people i don't know um from all over the world it's just been people on twitter sending me dms saying send me an address and they send bitcoin and it hits our church wallet and we have we designate it, obviously, for that purpose. And then we uh, we deploy it when and if there's a need. Pretty simple. Great. Yeah, we'll have links in the description. So it's lifegiverchurch.ca? Dot net. Lifegiverchurch.net slash Bitcoin dash four dash babies. But again, the description will be there. So check it out um, if you want to support anti-abortion work. And if you want to help support moms that choose life for their babies and you want to give anonymously through Bitcoin, that's the way to do it. So that's great. I'm I'm hopeful for some good success there and looking forward to hearing stories about moms receiving the support they need to be able to care for their babies 
instead of bringing their babies to be slaughtered. So this is this is a good thing. Um, let's talk about the book a little bit, uh, the Bible and Bitcoin. You sent me a copy of this book to read months ago. Um, it's it's not very long, which is good. It's digestible. It's it's manageable for people. Very readable. Um, tell us a little bit about the genesis of the book, the idea behind it, and really what the what the goal is in writing it, and, and the effect that you hope it will have in the kind of broader Christian community. So basically what happened was in 2020, uh, along with many others, I'm sure, uh, I had some revelations. And it was actually reading the book of Revelation that prompted this, uh, ironically. So we were doing a Bible study in the summer of 2020 illegally. And... Um, came upon a passage that talked about the merchants of the earth and how they uh, sold human souls. And I read that and I thought, what in the world? Human souls? And it led me down this rabbit trail of what is money, um, which led me down the rabbit trail of central banking, <laughs> fiat money, and just how uh, immoral this system is, just how uh, anti uh, Bible, this whole system is. I mean, God has some very specific monetary policies he's put into his law. And, and we don't talk about this much uh, as Christians because, uh, the you know, the love of money is the root of all evil and you can't serve two masters and so forth. So we've we've um, interpreted these passages in, in, a, in a shallow way, I would say. And I came to realize this one thing the money we're using, the monetary policy surrounding the Canadian dollar, the U.S. dollar, basically the fiat cartel, uh, is quite literally uh, immoral. It's, it's anti-God's uh, word. And so when I realized that it's a moral issue, when I came to terms with the fact that the money we use, not just how we use it, okay, Obviously, how we use money is a moral issue, but the money itself, the policies surrounding it, is a moral is a moral issue. This is a love your neighbor as yourself issue. It hit me. Whoa! What in the world can I do? What do we do? We can't just not use the dollar, right? I mean, what else are we going to use? Gold? We're going to go shaving gold, uh, you know, at the convenience store to buy a Slurpee? You know, that's not going to work. Um, which led me to Bitcoin. And once I got started in the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I read a book called The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedina Moose. And in that, he mentioned uh, the Emperor Nero and how Nero was the emperor that, well, we all know Nero. Uh, he's associated in many eschatological interpretations as um, the beast, like literally 666. Um, so, he said Nero was the first emperor to do a thing called, called coin clipping, where they, they would take the coin and they would clip it to make new coins and thus inflate the supply of the money, which led eventually to the downfall of Rome. That's when it hit me. Wait a minute. The most wicked, evil tyrant in the days of the apostles was the emperor who inflated the currency in order to 
justify his reckless spending. Well, who does that remind you of, Andrew? Does, does that ring a bell? I, I I'm reminded of, of of a few a few politicians in, in in particular who would support such a system. Yeah, I mean we 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 don't have to name names here, but we, wait a minute. When have yeah. you ever been yeah. <laughs> one to not name names? I'm just I'm just uh, I'm, I'm trying to keep an air of uh, of mystique about this. Yes. People, Ooh, who could they be talking about? Who could it Who's, be? Who could, who it, could be? it be? Except for Fidel Castro's child? Who could it be? <laughs> It, well, there you go. So when I made that connection, I realized wicked tyrants always inflate money. Always. They always do that throughout history. So if that's the case, and it is, what's the solution? Well, when I came to Bitcoin and learned about what Bitcoin was, it's, well, as I was reading the Bitcoin standard and he was explaining it, I was like, wow, this is this this is very this is a very viable solution. This is something that can actually work. Um, and being a opt out financial network that we can opt into out of fiat, um, that at its base layer is fundamentally um, consistent with the monetary policy of scripture. And the monetary policy of scripture is very simple. Um, don't defraud your neighbor. That's it. Uh, don't defraud your neighbor. Use equal measures and just scales. And fiat money is not an equal measure and a just scale because it quite literally just uh, comes into existence by the decree of uh, faceless government. Well, they say it's not government owned, but we all know it is. So um, with that said, Bitcoin came to me, the, the revelation of the inflation and the evil tyrants inflating money, Bitcoin not being inflatable, not being in the hands of sinful man because it's computer code, all this stuff. The monetary policy is a just and fair and equal scale. And so that's it. I went down the Bitcoin rabbit trail. I as I often do, became obsessed and spent hours and hours reading books, listening to podcasts and learning about it. And before I knew it, I had all this information. I did a Christian uh, case for Bitcoin seminar in my city. It was well attended. And then I decided, well, let's write a book because I think this is an important issue that Christians need to take seriously and uh, not sweep under the rug as a, well, I need to guard my heart from the love of money. Uh, no, it's not about the love of money. It's about the love of your neighbor and ensuring your neighbor's not being robbed and stolen uh, through inflation. And I mean, look at what's happening, Andrew. Uh, housing, the housing's ridiculous. Young families who are hardworking, can't afford a down payment. They can't save fast enough for a down payment. These aren't lazy people. These aren't people who uh, are are looking for handouts. These are hardworking um, men and women trying to buy a house, trying to provide and trying to make a, a family and make a living. And because we have wicked tyrants above us printing money like it's toilet paper, um, people are being robbed. Our neighbors are being robbed. And the Bible says, you shall not steal. So, so you, you can tell I'm passionate about this because it really is a love your neighbor as yourself 
issue. If your na- if the government was walking into your neighbor's house and literally stealing money to fund whatever, would we not speak up? Would we not cry out and say, hey, thus says the Lord, you shall not steal. You shall not use a, an unjust measure. You shall not use an unequal scale. We ought to, but we're not. So I, I've told you this. One of the things that I appreciated about the book, um, and I think one of the strengths of it and one of the things that's most helpful about it, is giving a biblical perspective on ideas or concepts or terms that Christians might not be aware of or they might not be able to understand or explain it. So looking at fiat currency, fractional reserve banking, just two examples of unpacking what are these things and what's the biblical response to them. And I think that on that alone, a a Christian biblical perspective on issues of finance and economy, looking at the history of money and currencies and moving from, you know, gold and silver, you know, bartering. I I thought that that was a, a definite strength of the book. And I think it'd be, it'd be wise for Christians to learn about how we need to understand God's monetary policy, the history of our monetary policy, and the biblical response to these things. So I think there's a real strength there. Um, and uh, and I, I recommend that people grab the book, if for no other reason than that. And then on top of that, there's all the other reasons that you've mentioned, making the case that uh, Bitcoin is a is a moral option for Christians, and it's a way to get out of, or it's a way to deal with the unjust, immoral fiat system in which we find ourselves. Uh, Alan, where can people grab the book? Where can they find it? Where can they kind of give all that information for our audience? So the book will be released August 31st, 2023. And uh, it'll be on amazon.ca.com all across the Amazon um, you know, distribution network. You can go to thebibleandbitcoin.com right now. If you sign up uh, for our newsletter, you'll get chapter one for free. And chapter one is arguably the best chapter uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and yeah, sign up for a newsletter, get chapter one for free, get a sneak peek. There's also a study guide in the back. And I had um, tested it with a small group from my church. Uh, half of the people who attended the, the, the small group, it's a seven-week study guide. Um, half the people who attended had no exposure to Bitcoin, didn't know what Bitcoin was. One woman even said, I don't care about Bitcoin. I just want to hang out. <laughs> so I said, sure, come on out. By the end of it, uh, any, everyone who was uh, skeptical of Bitcoin or didn't care about Bitcoin um, now does. They now realize this is a moral issue. This is a love your neighbor as yourself issue. And um, every single person gave me uh, great reviews. There's QR codes in the book to educational documentaries, videos. It's a very, it's a very interactive book. Um, I wanted to add tremendous value without it being overwhelming. It is a very short book. It's about 100 pages. Chapters are very digestible. And this is why I wrote it. I'll just say this to end. I wrote it for this reason. I wrote it for Christian people who are, one, curious about Bitcoin, or two, don't care about Bitcoin, and have a friend who does who can hand them a very uh, a simple to read book 
that um, they can digest very simply. And you could, I mean, I'm a slow reader. I can read it in two and a half hours. So it's very uh, reasonable and, and helpful. So if you are a Bitcoiner trying to orange pill your pastor, buy a book and give it to him. Um, and go through the study guide even with those in your church. Uh, I've tried to comp compress as much value as I could into one short book so that Christian people could get the message. It's not about number go up. It's not about getting rich. It's about replacing an ungodly, beastly financial system with, with one that respects the image of God, the time and value created by human beings on this planet. That's what it's about. And that might sound crazy, but it is what it is. Again, is the Bible and Bitcoin dot com net as well or dot com. So dot com. the Bible and Bitcoin dot com. And you'll be able to find it on Amazon as of August the 31st. So head to the Bible and Bitcoin dot com. Sign up for the newsletter. Get chapter one. And then also head to lifegiverchurch.net slash bitcoin dash four dash babies to support that as well alan thanks for taking some time and joining me on the dispatch it's been good to talk about these things together yes <clears throat> thank you uh i look forward to listening to more episodes of you guys just um bashing um i shouldn't say this but uh i enjoy it. i quite enjoy the based content coming out from here and it's something we need more of so don't give up don't become soft and uh, and keep fighting the good fight. Thanks, brother. Separating money from the state is a core tenet of Bitcoin's ethos, a permissionless network where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted exchange since 2013, is built around this ethos and leverages it in its mission to end central banks forever. At Bull Bitcoin, where security and privacy are priority, they take it upon themselves to help empower individuals with the most potent form of money the world has ever known. Head to mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC today and get started with your account's creation. Contact Bull's best in the business customer support team at any point throughout the process to request assistance. Mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Take control of your money today. So I'm glad to have with me on the dispatch Jim Enos. He is the Ontario Council President for the Christian Heritage Party of Canada and the CEO of the CHP Hamilton Mountain EDA. He's also the president of Hamilton Wentworth Family Action Council. Jim's consistent message over his 30 years of involvement of engaging public policy in the public square has been for Christians to participate in public policy formation by sitting at the public table while policy is being made rather than simply protesting after the policy has passed. And that in part is why we wanted to have Jim on to talk with us today. He lives in Hamilton with his wife, Penny. Jim, thanks for so much for joining me on The Dispatch today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. So help us, uh, I guess, understand you a little bit better. Why don't you tell me about what it is that led to and the reasons behind your initial involvement and, and kind of interaction with whether it's the political realm or kind of political activism to start because your kind of your life and career predates 
the CHP. So tell us a little bit about that. And I guess I'll frame it in, in such a way that I'm wanting to help Christians understand who might themselves be thinking, I want to get engaged in politics. I want to get engaged in activism. I want to be involved in like your, like we just read, having a seat at the table and not just simply protesting when everything falls apart. So tell us a little bit about that process for you. Yeah. So uh, one thing I would say is I hate politics, actually. It's governance. I always think of myself as being involved in governance because politics is a dirty game. So, But governance is very important because it impacts everything we do, uh, more so today than it ever did with the restrictions that are coming on. So going back about 30 years, uh, my child was in grade seven and some sex ed videos were being shown. It upset him. And uh, myself and another fellow, Phil Lees, uh, we started to talk to the school about these things. And one thing led to another. And uh, we formed something called the Hamilton Wentworth Family Action Council. And then that, that then became, it branched out and became the Canada Family Action Council. Well, There's many councils across Canada back then. And uh, from there, I, I've just stayed in that trajectory of, of being involved. Um, it's not like you have to sit around and look for something to get involved in, and, and I don't do that, but it doesn't take much to uh, catch my eye and I think, well, you know, that's not right. So I start to talk about it and find ways in. So what were some of the things that you were doing with the Family Action Council? What kind of initially in those early stages and then in, in the first few years, what did that look like? What did involvement yeah. and engagement look like? So, so this was back before internet. So back then we used to do the midnight rides of Paul Revere. We'd drive around at night delivering flyers off to people's homes and so on and calling for meetings and so on, uh, informing parents. Our our motive, our uh, our uh, mission statement back then was inform, motivate, and mobilize. So we would be very, very informative and accurate. We were very careful about being accurate, not blowing things out of proportion. But we would inform parents and motivate them and then mobilize them, show them how to write a letter or what different ways we formed uh, parents' rights of, of um documents that they could with a lawyer that they could take in and give to the school and say these are the areas you're not to associate with my child and so on and that was p part of it and through that through the action we ended up finding about what was driving sex ed in the schools back then it was Planned Parenthood Hamilton they were getting 50 percent of all the uh, sexual health money in Hamilton was going to Planned Parenthood and uh, it's just something that one day I called over to City Hall I'd heard that the money was being downloaded from the province to the city. I called City Hall and they said, oh, they're here this afternoon. They're doing a presentation. I said, well, we want to do a presentation. So we went in. I got a hold of a guy called Tony Gosnich. You may or may not know of him, but a pro-lifer. And we made our presentation. And over time, we, we, we educated parents, we educated counselors. And uh, what eventually happened is Planned Parenthood slowly started to lose the money from Hamilton. Counselors lost, started to see what they were really about. It's really not about parenthood at all, we know. And uh, 
we won their confidence and they started to whittle away their their funds uh, and one thing about Planned Parenthood is if there's no money they're gone whereas people like ourselves we we work for nothing so you know we don't we have nothing to lose but when the money dried up so did Planned Parenthood and they've been gone out of Hamilton for about 25 years so I am quite happy to hear that about that uh basically it's it's it I was sharing this with someone recently too I was talking with some people who are engaged in anti-abortion work and it reminds me a lot of the apostle Paul in Ephesus and you have the silversmiths who stand up and say oh this this guy he's causing no no small stir here he's really messing everything up for us and they're upset because they're going to be losing money because people, instead of buying their silver idols, are now throwing them in the fire to be melted down. And this idea of godly troublemaking, this godly upsetting of status quo, cultural, societal things in a righteous way, um, always makes me quite happy to hear about that mm-hmm. and reminds us that uh, Christians can have spines and Christians can do some good work. Um, yeah. So, But the, mm-hmm. the, the troublemaking, apparently— has not uh, has not stopped, and so I want to. I, I had a phone call earlier today with Rod Taylor and Ken Stofer uh, from the CHP, and they had told me about what's happening in Hamilton with the bus stop ads. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about kind of the the engagement with the CHP. How did that come about? When did you decide to kind of more formally be volunteering or be involved with an actual political party? Yeah, up up to about, I'm going to say about 13 or 14 years ago, I didn't really, I I mean, I was doing my thing about governance, but I really was involved with political parties, and I just voted conservative, you know, back then. But then something, uh, they started to do their about turn back at that point in time. They started to drop away from us, and I couldn't take it. I said, I can't do that anymore, and... Somehow I heard about CHP. I don't know how it was. And sure enough, they weren't having an Ontario Council meeting get together right in my own little hometown here. And I went to it. And uh, basically I signed up. And within uh, within about probably six months of that, I, re- I worked with a few people in the area and restarted the Hamilton Mountain Riding Association for Christian Heritage Party. And uh, became the president of that. And then when, and about two years after being that, I also took on the Ontario Council presidency. So that's kind of what happened. It was really, it was really about the LGBT movement taking over the Conservative Party 15 years ago. And uh, I couldn't stand for that. So Christian Heritage Party was my only real way to be involved politically. Uh, although I don't like politics, like I say, but at least uh, when I'm in, when I'm in the Christian Heritage Party, you know, I there's a lot we have accomplished, and I never I can always go to sleep at night with a good conscience, mm-hmm. knowing knowing that we're on the right side of everything. So I have a, a, a question for you, and you can you can pass, you can you can choose not to answer, or answer as kind of superficially as you want, but that that realization moment where you said, I I can no longer in good conscience cast a vote or support for the Conservative Party because they have abandoned conservatism and they've done what I describe to people as 
you know, Stephen Harper saying, yeah, come on, social conservatives, let's let's win this. And then the moment they win, then they say, OK, social conservatives, be quiet about all those social moral issues. We're just going to be a little more fiscally responsible. So people I've talked to, whether it's federally who've abandoned the, the conservative party or provincially who in this last election were leaning into the Ontario party or the new blue party. They had, there's different moments of realization where they go, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I guess the question is this, and I have my ideas. Um, why do you think that like legitimate, well-intentioned believers who know the scriptures, they know what's right and what's wrong. They know that Paul says that we're not to associate, right? Don't even eat with, don't associate. It's shameful to talk about the works done in darkness by those who are opposed to Christ. And instead of joining them, we have to expose them. Then Christians who know that, what do you think still drives them to cast a vote for the Conservative Party? I mean, for you, it was 15 years ago. We're 15 years later, and Christians are still trying to justify it. Why? What, what have you heard from, from friends? What have you heard from people when you try to tell them you can't vote for this party? What answers are they giving you? Well, it's, it's, it's the same old story that they're better than the liberals, at least in their mind. That's what they believe. They believe that voting for the lesser of two evils somehow results in good. <laughs> well, we know that if you, if, if you only work with two evils, all you're going to get is evil. But now it's super evil. Um, there, churches have, I think, too, a lot of it. And I don't blame churches. And I don't blame pastors. Not at all. But the changing from a from a from a church organization now registering as a charitable organization has been a threat to to churches. They they're they're afraid to to speak on, on, on governance issues or, or lead people in a certain direction for fear of losing that tax status. And I think that plays a big part of it. And, and the other thing is that like the church that I'm in, people are very, they're good people and they're very busy in the church. I don't think the majority of them ever have time to sit down and even think about anything else other than their involvement in church. And that's not to fault them, but I can see they've got so many levels of organization inside the church. You can be busy 24 hours a day there, you know, and and they, they, they tend to get caught up in that. But to be nice if the church would uh, suggest that 10% of the population get involved in what's going on outside the walls too, you know. Well, I'm, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I would agree with you to a point I don't necessarily fault the people, I think the fault lies at the feet of of their shepherds who've who've taught them and, and a cultural Christianity that's taught them that the kingdom of God is only a kingdom between your ears and inside your heart. Mm -hmm. And it only exists within the four walls of the church. And so this is where all the churchy mm -hmm. stuff happens. This is the sacred stuff. The rest of that world, that's bad, bad stuff. And it's all going to burn up anyways. Yeah. And there's been this faulty teaching yeah that says that the kingdom of God isn't over the entire world, but just inside little pockets of churches. Hmm. And one of the things we endeavor to do here on the dispatch and LCC more broadly is to remind Christians that whether you're looking at the dominion mandate from Genesis 1 and 2, or you're looking at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 
in both instances, you have the Lord commanding humans and his people in specific to go into the world and bring the rule and reign of God to bear everywhere, whether that's finding new resources, building new things, creating wonderful music, engaging in politics, sharing the gospel, advancing the Christian cause. And so I'm gl I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the reasons why I think we're in the cultural political mess that we are. There's been a wholesale disengagement from Christians in these areas because they think that's Satan's realm. And we want to want to recapture the fact that no, 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 it all belongs to Jesus. Um, we can we can press His Lordship into all these areas. So, with with that in mind, then the the question that I mentioned this earlier is what's happening with these with these bus ads. Give us a little bit of a history because to me this is another example of how we as Christians engage righteously in a way that pagans and enemies despise because apparently they're the only ones that get to have a public platform and when we say no 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 we can we can project good messages we can tell people what's true and we can do so publicly uh they they, they don't like that but we do it anyways because god has called us to tell us a little bit about the bus yeah. ad fiasco sure. sure so well for the last 13 years we've done bus ads shelter ads every year pretty well pro-life ads all kinds of ads on the bus shelters, you know, and uh, uh, back in 2016, we had one that the city took it down after contracting with us. After three days, he took it down. It was called Competing Human Rights, Where is the Justice? And it was a picture of a man pushing his way into a lady's shower room. And uh, we took them to court on that. Uh, and they lost unanimous, unanimous ruling, the city of Hamilton lost, and a very strong ruling that uh, Political parties have the right to free speech, even if you don't like it. And so bus shelter campaigns, the reason I like to do them, people say, why don't you go on the billboards? Those are owned by private companies. You know, they're, they're, they're less likely to screen you out. Because we are public. We have every right to be on public property, as everybody else does. We see, you know, happy pride things on city buses. You know, as a taxpayer, I'm paying for that because that's my bus. But these ads, I'm going to get to the new ad, these ads that we're trying to put up now, this year, uh, we're paying for them. We're not asking the city to subsidize it like they do other groups. We're paying for the whole shot, and they've turned us down. It's, of course, it's a very offensive ad. It says, woman, an adult female. How dare you? How how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and and and, oh, and so we got a five page letter from the city because last time they lost they had to pay sixty percent of it. They cost about forty four thousand dollars. They had to pay towards our court costs plus their own court costs. And so they know that they're on very thin ice when they've turned us down. So thin ice actually that their mandate to reject us went, went to they took it to council, and it would. It was eight seven. That's how close it was. They almost we almost got them up. But um, in this in this letter, they they tell us that we recognize. They take of the five pages, probably four pages, tell us how we have absolutely every right in the world to put that ad up. But then they say they have to balance it against how how not that how somebody might feel. They're saying, but they. Not that they might be offended, but they might be afraid to ride the bus because someone disagrees with them. 
Hmm. And so, and it's interesting. Today there was an ad in the, our article in the paper on ARPA. ARPA suit is starting a lawsuit now for pro-life ads in Hamilton being rejected. And the, the reason they cited they couldn't put the pro-life ads, the very same wording as ours, because people will be afraid to ride the bus. So, so yeah, so and they say that this is negative transgender, it's negative imaging to put up a... I sent. I don't know if you're able to flash up the what I sent you or not. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up right now for everyone to see just how. Oh boy, I'm triggered. Yeah, I, that is frightening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that you know that that photo costs us fourteen dollars. You know, I want my money's worth out of this. Okay. Like yes. <laughs> but I mean, what's offensive about it? Yeah, spoken spoken like a true Dutchman. So I here's, want my money. I want my money's worth out of it. Yeah. <laughs> here, I got. I got to read you one thing they say in here. One line, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, where is it? Anyway, it talks about. It talks about our definition. I can't find it. It's okay. Our definition aligns with conservative values. Conservatives aren't allowed in Hamilton. That's right. And that's the implication. The implication is you don't belong in this space. And this is this is why it's important for people to realize this. Yeah. Well, long long before long before they said you don't belong in this space, Christians and churches to their shame said Ah, uh, we're going to take ourselves out of this space. We don't belong in this part, space, and that's the problem. They're like, "Listen, we don't want to be. This isn't our space. We don't. We're not going to do this thing." So when Christians do that, when they give up that ground, then of course you would expect, you would expect the left to say, "Well, you don't belong here because we because we haven't been there for so long," and 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 the evidence of not just you fighting and and winning with the previous bus ad with the city of Hamilton, but even the success of being able to get Planned Parenthood out of Hamilton is evidence to the contrary, that not only should you be in that space, but you can be effective in that space also. And that needs to be the lesson for Christians. We can actually, with our work, with our activism, with our dollars, with the law behind us, we can be in this space and we can push the darkness out of it. And we should do that. Yeah, you know, just talking about pushing the darkness out. So we were at a meeting after, after when we first initially uh, some action was taken on Planned Parenthood. They weren't kicked out yet, but they were told to be more balanced. And so there was these public meetings. All these different community partners would come and Family Action Council. We had three people there, and uh, we had one meeting, and I just really told them what I thought of them. And the second meeting they didn't show up. And the public health was running the meeting. I said, where's Planned Parenthood? He said, they're not coming anymore. You bullied them. Yep. Yeah. Because, yeah. because we were, because we were honest. Yeah. And we said that you, I, I, our, our, our dollars yeah. shouldn't fund an organization murdering babies. Well, that's, not just, that's yeah, what we did. everything that leads to having babies, you know. Yeah, that's right. To, equipping kids for sex is all they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we we can we, you know, we have to get to the public table, and then we have to stay there. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. James Dobson said many years ago, the problem with Christians is when they lose the first time, they pick up marbles and go home. Right. I don't. I don't. I come back mm-hmm. and they go away. Well, we've we've had it fairly. I think it's because we've had it fairly easy in the sense that we've, mm. we've been able to grow rather apathetic in our country that, you know, the cultural Christianity outside of the last 50 years hasn't faced a lot of opposition and so we've kind of grown, oh, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's easy for us. And then all of a sudden there's opposition and people don't know how to handle it. And so yeah. they just, what they do is they retreat to their ghettos and they say, this is, the church is in here and let Satan have the world. Yeah. And then we have this mess. And so I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that for, for decades now you have been pushing back against that, not just in principle, but in practice. And I think that. For the good of our country, more and more Christians need to wise up to the fact that we have a right and a duty before God to engage in these ways, to be good citizens like Jeremiah 29, to seek the welfare of the city, to do what's right for the people, to do justice, to care for the oppressed and the poor and the widow and the hurting, and actually actually do what God requires us to do. Uh, and I'm hoping that in the process, more and more people wise up to the fact that that won't be found in the conservative party. It's time for them to jump the blue ship and uh, and and, yeah. and cast a principled vote. Um, so on that note, where can people either connect with you, find out more what's going on with the CHP? Um, where can we direct people? Yeah, so our national office email address, this is all lowercase, is nationaloffice at chp.ca. Mm-hmm. And the phone number is one eight 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 six eight three two four seven. Okay. Well, Jim, thank you very much for joining me on the dispatch. Um, I've I've appreciated the discussion, and again, I want uh, I want our audience to understand that you don't need to be a super Christian pastor with three degrees. You don't have to have truckloads of money and you don't have to have, you know, a mountain full of social cultural capital. You just have to love the Lord and take his word seriously and obey him when he tells us to do, to seek justice and to do rightly, right? This is what, what does the Lord require of you? Oh man, that you love kindness, seek justice, and walk humbly before the Lord your God. That's what's required of us, and yeah. we're thankful that you're doing that. And you know, the best way to do that is very simple. Show up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now. So there you have it. Three different men engaging in three very different ways— in the culture, in politics, in industry, in the economy, in political activism, in justice issues, in the education system. And these are examples for you to spur you on, to hopefully encourage you if you've been thinking about and wrestling about these things and you've been waiting for that push. Well, here's that push. Go do just that. Again, if it's politically, then attend an EDA meeting. Send an email, check out a website, contact someone, find out how you can get involved, maybe even run. There are lots of opportunities for you to do that. Maybe it's time for you to quit the more comfortable job environment that you know and start your own thing. And it's risky. 
I believe me, I get it. I understand the risk. I planted a church. The work with Liberty Coalition Canada is also donation based. So we get the risk. I get it. But I also know that if this is how the Lord is leading you to use the skills and the, the abilities, the time, the resources you have to do something that will bless your neighbor and that will be of benefit to others, that will glorify God, then do it. Make sure that you are surrounded by and connected with a solid, like-minded community of believers. And if you're wondering where you can find one of those churches, I'm your man. You can email me, churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com, and I'll help you find those like-minded churches in our country where you can dig your roots deep and su be supported and support and serve and get your family involved. Maybe it's time for that. And maybe you've been thinking about justice issues. You know, recently I got to interview Laura Clausen from Choice 4-2 and John Speed with Lure TV. There are opportunities for you to get engaged in anti-abortion work. There are things that you can do, whether it's donating Bitcoin to Bitcoin for Babies so that these women could be supported. If you head over to Choice 4-2's website, their social media, there's going to be lots of chances for you to be involved, right? Whether it's the Canadian Coalition for Bioethical Reform, lots of different ways that you can be involved in real justice work, in real political activism. And if you have any questions about any of that, if you're wanting to be directed in the right place, if you don't know where to go or what to do, what do I do about my investments? What do I do about if I start a business and financially, who's going to handle that? Please, please reach out to us. Just let me know. You can email me, right? Let us know at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And we will help direct you. We will help point you to other solid Christians and organizations who can help you so that we don't do like I was talking about with Jim. We don't just retreat to our Christian ghettos and sit back and wait for the nuclear fallout to dissipate as we just let Satan have the world and burn it to the ground and it's all evil anyways. We need to abandon that kind of thinking. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. This is part of the reason why we have an apathetic, rather impotent church in Canada. And we need to push back. We need to engage. We need to live as free men and women who have been freed in Christ to pursue real freedom and real liberty for our country, for our children, and for generations to come. So with that, as we say at the end of every episode, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.